Yeah, just stare at one spot and then look in your – so if you just stare at one spot and then you kind of use your peripheral, they'll show up. You'll see them moving a lot of times. Um, they look gray. Like the biggest thing is they don't look – you know, you take them out of the water, like silver or, you know, late seas look like rainbows, but they, they're almost gray. Like they look very gray in the river. So you're not looking you – know, if, if you see a dark spot, you know, that's usually a Chinook or something. It's uh, That was Jason Osborne telling us how to spot them. But unlike Jim Teeny, he doesn't always got him. This is the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Jason Osborne, the man behind the Portland Fly Shop, shares his knowledge on the Kalamata River and a couple of uh, great uh, Dean River stories today. Find out why you need a spotter for steelhead and listen to Jason describe uh, some details on skating flies on the Dean and uh, and what fly pattern he recommends for uh, skating for the salmon fly hatch. A quick word from our sponsor, GotFishing.com is your trusted source of information with access to the world's best fishing trips. You'll never pay a dime extra for the trip you book, and in many cases, less than advertised. Find out where Got Fishing can take you by heading over to gotfishing.com today. That's G O T fishing.com, or reach them by phone at 208 630 3373. So, without further ado, here is Jason Osborne from the PortlandFlyShop.com. How's it going, Jason? That's good. How are you doing? Good man, good uh, good to have you on the show here. We've uh, we've been chatting a, a bit over the years. It's I guess it's been years now. Uh, it's funny because I think back. I think when I first ran into you was at the um, the shop in Gateway, right? You were you were mm-hmm. working there, um, and I got a little a good story to tell about that as we get into it. But maybe you can talk about how you first got into fly fishing and then how you came to uh, basically own the, the Portland Fly Shop. Oh boy, that's yeah, that's a journey. Um, <laughs> So in the beginning, let's see. So born in Portland, raised in Portland. We moved to Boise when I was real young. Um, My mom was working for Boise Cascade at the time, and they moved everybody back to the corporate headquarters. So we we wound up in Boise, and I think I was like nine years old. And I remember living in Boise. My my parents were amazing. Like first off, like they they were awesome, and they always got me outdoors. Like since I was a kid, I mean a baby, um, I was out camping, fishing with a little Snoopy rod, you know. And so they really they did right uh, by me for sure um, in in the growing up aspects of that. And so the outdoors were always kind of ingrained in me. And then when we moved to Boise, there is um, at the time I don't know if I've, it's been years since I've been back, but there is there's a, a lake in town and next to a red Robin and um, it was like a, some Mexican restaurant. They were next door to each other, but there's a lake just behind that. that was stuffed full of bluegill. And I remember we would be driving by and always seeing people fly fish that lake. And so it, it totally piqued my interest, like seeing people out there fishing, fly fishing. I didn't know what it was. And so that's kind of how it started. was just seeing it, seeing it happen and being super curious about it. And then, um, you know, boy, I started tying first. I remember I got my first fly tying book, um, old book, all black and white, you know. Um, and so I was just taking uh, like worm hooks out of my tackle box, uh, sewing thread and pulling feathers out of my pillow. Um, and I was actually, I was looking at an old Cabela's catalog for reference. Um, and back then, you know, the pictures weren't all that great. It was like a whole bunch of flies on like a blue piece of construction paper and they'd snap a photo. And, uh, and so all my flies when I was a kid, cause I'd never actually seen a real fly, like a factory type fly. Um, all my flies were two dimensional. So all my dry flies were like flat. Oh, they wow. Were really good. Like on the side, you know, but then you turn them in front <laughs> of you and it's just paper thin. Cause I had no concept of like this, these things actually being like 3d, you know? Oh, wow. So it was pretty funny, you know, um, and I remember like the first time I went to a shop and I saw a real fly, it was like mind blowing. I think I bought the first fly I've ever bought was at the hook and sun river. Um, my very first factory, like fly, real fly. And it was, a it was a size like 16 mosquito. Yep. Yep. And that was it. That was, you know, 
What, that was that was where it started. What 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 uh, the the size sixteen mosquito? What year was that? That was probably ninety four. Okay, I was fourteen. Yeah, ninety four. Because I'm yeah, um, I was born in eighty. Oh, there you go. So ninety four. So so you're and then after that, you now you're just you're in. It's all fly fishing all the time from that point on. Yeah, you know, and then like the movie, you know, River Runs Through it came out, and that just kind of fueled the fire. Um, yeah. As it did with it, you know, everybody. Yeah, and yeah. so it was just kind of game on from there. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I started tying. I tied for maybe a couple of years before I started fishing. My dad for Christmas got me an eight and a half foot six weight Fenwick Eagle outfit. Um, and then that that next year I was, well, maybe it was just a year because I was 15. My first trip to Montana um, he took me for a week, he was on business and then he, he extended his trip and we fished our butts off, um, and just hit everything. You know, we just road, road, road tripped it. And, uh, that was, that was really where it kind of, everything came to be was that, that first trip with my dad to Montana. Like that was the groundbreaking trip. Yep. Where, where'd you guys go? Oh, uh, we hit Rock Creek. We hit the Madison. We hit the Gallatin. Um, that's cool. And we hit the Blackfoot. Yeah. Amazing. We just, we just yeah, we road tripped it. And uh, it was like spring runoff. You know, back then I was young, right? So I had no concept of what high water was, low water. Um, I just went. You just go before you know anything. Like, I shouldn't say that, but before you get too persnickety about conditions and everything being perfect, like when you're, when you're new and you don't know anything, you just go fishing. Exactly. And so – Everything was like blown out, but we still caught fish. It was great, you know, because um, we didn't know any better. We just went fishing. And some days you go and it's brown and some days you go and it's not, but it, you still just go. And um, we had a great time. That's cool. Yeah, that Rock Creek was my first when I was, uh, you know, a young 12 or in that range. I went there. I think that was the first big trip I did uh, with my brothers. That was, uh, you know, kind of the same thing that got me going. So how did you go from, so 90, so in that range, uh, rock Creek, and then how do you take that up to the Portland fly shop? How, how did you, how'd you get to that point? Oh boy. Well, um, a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, because I remember seeing you at, well, I'll tell you that little story I alluded to at the start. I remember seeing you at the, um, Northwest fly fishing outfitters. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. I walked in there and I didn't know the owner that well, but it was kind of like, you know, I just didn't have a real good conversation or anything, but you were over there tying flies. I don't remember exactly, but I just had this really good feeling when I ran into you, you know, you were very personable and it was just like, okay, this, this dude's pretty cool. And then the next time I saw you, I think was in the Portland fly shop. I didn't realize you were even owned the shop, right? It was just like, holy crap. You, you, okay. You're the band. You're, you're doing this thing. So, so take us back to, to that time at Northwest fly fit and then how that all came to be into the shop. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I worked there forever. I, I managed the shop. I was the head guide for a while, um, you know, for a lot of years, I guess. And, uh, um, you know, the only reason I even broke away, uh, was pretty much like a midlife crisis. I mean, Hmm. it it was just kind of, um, it was either like a Harley, uh, like a Corvette or or a fly shop (laughs) really, you know, I I just kind of hit brick wall. Which one's more expensive to start to get? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, this is probably more the most expensive, yeah. um, uh, but most rewarding, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's always, I actually never didn't want to shop. You know, I saw, I saw what for a long time, you know, I saw, um, the owner, uh, Jack, you know, I saw his, uh, struggles of being a small business owner. Um, I used to, when I was growing up, you know, obviously you're like, Oh, I want my own fly shop. Yeah. You get a little older and, and you realize like owning a business is, uh, there's a lot more to it, you know, than just, just uh what it seems like and and even if even if you're experienced you know as as a you know maybe business person you know there's always just more there's more to there's always stuff you can never like expect right and so there's always something and so i saw his struggles and i was like man i don't want any part of that you know yeah. uh, and he's a great i mean he 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 honestly is a phenomenal business owner he's really good and uh um really a person to look up to, uh, hmm. as a small business owner. Um, but you know, as a small business owner, whether you're, whether you have a fly shop, or you're selling Tupperware, it's all kind of the same as far as the stress load and, and all that. So, um, yeah. basically what happened was the steelhead numbers fell off the map 
And, you know, if, if we still had strong numbers like we did, uh, we had like three years, you know, of just stupid good numbers and anybody could go catch a fish and boat was full every day and it was, you know, happy go lucky. And, uh, if we still had those returns, I'd probably still be there guiding, working, hmm. you know, doing all that. It was, it was when the trip started falling off. Um, yep. you know, I just needed to do something. I mean, I was like 38 at the time and had no, my whole retirement plan was, uh, a beat up drift boat and a client list. I mean, that's really all I had at that point. Cause yep. when you're busy guiding every day, you know, you're making some money and you just don't, you're busy, you know, and you don't think about certain things. It's, it's when you're slow. Uh, and when you don't have anything to do, that's when things get like bad or good or whatever, but, but that's when change seems to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, good or bad, but that's just when you have time. And so, you know, when I, when I was kind of faced with like, look, man, I'm almost like 40. I don't want to like be struggling my whole life. Like, what am I going to do? This was just honestly opening the the Portland fly shop was about the only thing I was qualified to do. Hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I spent a couple semesters in like hot rod restoration years ago. I used to, you know, do car stuff and I've kind of forgot all that, you know, um, I used to build motors and all that, but all, you know, I kind of lost all that knowledge over the years. And so really what, what else am I going to do as a fishing guide and manager? Like there's not a lot, um, out there except for jumping into to ownership of a, of a business, you know, and I got really lucky, um, with how it all worked out, but, um, mm. that's about all I'm qualified to do. That's you it. Know? That's it. So how does yeah. it, how does it feel now? And how long, how long have, uh, you been open there? Uh, we hit two years in December, last yeah. December. Yeah, so it's just been two years. It seems like you've been open. I guess that's the thing since I've known you a little bit longer, but it seems like you've been open for a lot longer. So, so I mean, what in two years, what what have you learned, uh, you know, that you didn't know and what might you give somebody that's thinking about, uh, you know, starting a shop for, as a tip? Oh, boy. Um, you know, number one, I would say is location. Um, you, you've in order for it to work and for all, for in order to get all the products, you really need to get some products you just have to have, you know, really to, to make it, um, you know, locations, everything. If, if, if you're not in a location that needs a shop, um, not needs a shop, but that, you know, is you're, you really want to fill a void and there's a lot of fly shops out there and in really good locations. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think the, the main reason, we're successful is because of where the shop is located. I mean, you know, we got a great crew and everybody's awesome, but beyond all that, like just physical locale, we, we filled a niche, Hmm. you know, I would say, um, you know, working, working at Northwest for, for as long as I did, I think I was there like 10 or 12 years. Oh, wow. And Portland's small, you know, Portland's tiny. So as far as big cities go. So I would have, when I opened the shop, I thought for sure, like I knew most of the people, like I knew pretty much, you know, after 10 years, like I, yeah, being a smaller city and it's even smaller community, I would have guessed like, you know, I probably know 90% of the fly anglers in Portland. Well, hmm. that's absolutely not true. Um, you know, when I opened the shop, most, most like 99% of the people that came in, um, had no clue who I was. No I had kidding. No clue. Oh yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Totally. Um, um, you know, Portland's gotten so busy and traffic sucks so bad that <laughs> anything, anything past 82nd, if you're on the wet side, you know, pretty much might as well be Arizona, you know, it's uh, like East going West. Right. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I would say we, we really don't share many customers, um, for the most part, just because of geographical limitations, you know, I mean, with, with traffic being non-existent now, that might be a little different, but um, you know, in a normal time, I mean, it, from my shop to get to, you know, the, the East side could take an hour, you know? And so, um, that was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. Like realizing there was this whole another set of, of anglers and I mean, really good, like accomplished long time anglers that I never even knew, or they didn't even know me or, or anything. It's actually pretty neat. That's cool. That's cool. So, so basically, yeah. So you're two years now in, in your shop. You, do you do gui- uh, some guiding now or what, what, where are you at there? No, I quit when I opened the shop. Um, I, sometimes I think it might be fun to do it again. Um, 
most of the time I know better. Um, 12 years guiding was a long time and it's probably good that I stopped, but really, you know, if I have time to guiding me, guiding doesn't benefit the shop and the shop is my future. And the shop is like where they're sorry. The dog's yelling oh, yeah. in the background. I, I hear. Um, that is the future. That is, that is where all the attention has to be is the shop. And so if I have time to guide, I really have time to do more like for the shops, social media or Insta, you know, yeah. YouTube videos or whatever. Like, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, cause like you can't do both. You can't guide and then, and then take, you know, video and stuff for the shop. It just doesn't work. It, it really doesn't. And it's pretty tacky um, to be working for the shop on the customer's dime. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it really has to be separate. So I, I just figure, you know, we've got, we've got really good guides now. Um, you know, Jackson, um, basically took over my Washington business and, uh, he's guiding all the Southwest Washington rivers that I used to guide. Um, and he's really huh. actually really good. So I'm super confident about, about that. What so, are some of those, what are those rivers, the main rivers in Southwest? Uh, Kalama, um, Cowlitz, Clickitat in season. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he's, he'd actually, he's got this little raft where he's a little bit more adventurous than I ever was. Sure. What's the, um, the Kalama. So for somebody who hasn't been up there, you know, compare that to a river down in, in Oregon. What, what, what's it similar to size wise and how it looks? Oh boy. Um, it's probably closest to the Sandy, a little smaller than the Sandy. Um, yep. Okay. But it'd be, it'd be like, it'd be like the Sandy at Dodge, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of that, that flow in the summertime, it gets down to maybe like a hundred CFS though, you know? So it does get really, really gotcha. skinny. What's the, what's the season? What's the timing? What, what was your focus there on guiding? Well, when I first started guiding, they had fish year round. Um, it was one of the few places you could go any day of the year and really, really have a good, you know, mm -hmm. people say there's fish here every day of the year and there is, but the climate was one of the few places that you really had a good shot every day of the year. Um, back in the beginning of kind of my when i you know i fished it my whole life growing up and then um when i started guiding it we had amazing runs of of seasonal fish i mean every season we had the spring steelhead people used to call springers um, most people yeah. think now of spring snook but the the early days were klamath springers and the east fork had them too of these amazing um like Skimania run spring steelhead that were just rocket ships. And so, uh, even some of the OP guys would come down just for these, um, cause they were just phenomenal fish. And, uh, so over the years with hatcheries, either switching stuff up or losing funding, or I don't know how all that works on the backside. I'm sure. not, I'm not an expert on, on any of how that works. I just see the changes yeah. now it's very seasonal. Um, but that's why the clam in the beginning was just amazing. Cause you could, um, you could catch springers, you could catch, uh, you know, true summer fish. There's a huge run that came in in the fall, then they had, huh. you know, great winter runs. And so there's always steelhead around. And then you double down. There used to be two strong runs of coho oh, and wow. uh, two strong runs of Chinook. And so it's just every day of the year, you could go run into big fish. The The float's only like six miles, and you could easily spend 14 hours and six miles and still be like pushing to get out of there. There's just so much. Wow. You know. what, what's the, and then what's it like now? How, where, where do you got, or what's the guide guiding like now? Super seasonal. You know, everything went to like a broodstock program. So we have a, um, we've got a short window. The fishing can still be really good. It's just condensed into, um, you know, summer we don't see a lot of like the June fish anymore. It's mostly a fall fishery when everything else is going off. Um, the, the winters, you know, we'd, we've kind of lost their December, January fisheries. Now it's into like February and March cause those, they went to a broodstock program and all that. So, um, it's just hatchery changes really, you know, the, the wild fish are pretty strong, um, in summer and, and winter, but they're, the wild fishery is even more like down to maybe like a 30 day window, you know, where you, where you kind of have a month to really go after them. So, um, and then they quit letting all the fall Chinook into the river, mm -hmm. um, with the weirs and all that. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of issues on the river these days that didn't used to be there. Um, 
It's just everything's shortened up, you know. It's all condensed. Yeah, condensed. And more people? Or, I mean, do you, do you see still lots of pressure there? No. Not, not no, more. not like the old days. No, the old days had way more. Way yeah. more. There was, you know, oh, boy, all the big names used to be on the Kalama. I mean, I, I was watching, um, like, people were filming, like, how-to movies, right. you know, stuff all over the place. And <laughs> it used to be, it used to be, you'd run into, you know, you'd see Jim Teeny up there all the time. You'd yeah. see, I mean, all these names, you know, sure. um, you know, and back then, you know, Teeny was, uh, for me, like he was a God, you know, I mean, yeah. geez, you know, to see Jim Teeny and shake Jim Teeny's hand when you're, you know, in that day, like he was on the cover of every magazine. I mean, <laughs> he was like the favorite Jeter of fly fishing, you know? That's and right. so, um, it was just cool as hell. And he was, he was great to me as a, as a youngster, just phenomenal. Um, yeah super nice courteous so it was just yeah back in the day it was way busier but you know a lot more known um it kind of it's weird it used to super popular river that just kind of fell out it's it's interesting well it seems like maybe it's a sounds like it's a kind of a cool place that might be worth uh checking out you know maybe not quite as as much going on throughout the year but less pressure and maybe you know maybe it's a little bit better on that end right yeah it's i mean it's a little hard because you um, you know, it gets too low for a drift boat early, oh, right. like July. And then it's all private property. Oh, so, right. You know, so there's some things. The canyon is what made it famous. Um, the canyon was the, you know, the fly, or I would just say they called it the holy water. It seems like every river has a holy water section, but yeah. that was the fly fishing only section above the second hatchery. And that they used to let all the hatchery fish up there. Uh, and so it was you know, fly fishing only, you could dry line fish all the time, um, consistently, and you could really walk your tail off and just go and go fish and wear yourself out. And that since has changed since they don't let hatchery fish up there anymore. And there's a ton of private property up there now, um, some big estates and tons of building. So all these places we used to find fish, you, you literally can't get to, um, cause it's in somebody's backyard now. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so, and, and then up there, as far as flies, maybe we just keep on that a little bit and chat a little bit about, you know, steelhead flies. Uh, we, we were talking a little bit off air about, you know, skating flies, and it's interesting because that's something that I never really dug into a lot, mainly because when I'm out summer steelhead fishing, I think I always just wanted to, you know, catch as many fish as possible. But what's your take on, uh, you know, not to go too deep on it, but but what's your take on skating flies, say, on the Kalama or, or really anywhere for summers or any steelhead? Yeah, I think in the in the right times, you know, first of all, you when you skate a fly, when you put on a skater, you have to understand going in, you are you're absolutely taking the path of most resistance. Um, so it's it's a mindset. Um, and pe- most most people that throw on a skater, you know, understand that. Um, but you really, you know, you're asking a lot of a steelhead to come up and need a skater. Yeah. Um, but I will say there's there's definite times um, that it's not uncommon to raise three or four in a day, you know, on certain rivers. The upper Kalama uh, can be great for skaters. Well, hell, the lower Kalama can be great for skaters. Um, once we get some fall caddis bombing around, um, I think two things yeah. happen. You know, some of the fish have been there a little while, right? So they kind of revert back to a little more trouty behavior. Mm-hmm. It seems like the longer steelhead are in the system – the more kind of trouty they get. And so once we have these big fall caddis bombing around everywhere, I think they just really take notice. And so I've always found, at least on the west side streams, the fall caddis, um, it's easier to get fish to come up to skaters for a lot of reasons, I think. But fall, when the fall caddis are really out, they just tend to be more interactive with skated flies. And then also the sun isn't as aggressive oh, right. that time so it's kind of a double whammy is it's easier for the fish to look up because the sun's off to the side right the sun's just not as aggressive mm-hmm. and then they have a lot of surface activity already going on um and you know at the end of the day like they're still fish and so yeah they, they they grew up eating bugs they're still fish and so i think they still have that instinct of bugs are good you know we eat bugs you know <laughs> at a certain point in time um and so that, that does make it easier and you'll get a bunch of rolls and stuff. And a lot of times you don't even see it, but you know, you know, if you got, uh, you know, a spotter with you that can kind of help, um, hmm. 
it's not uncommon to go there and get, you know, five or six or seven that roll on the fly that maybe the angler doesn't see because of the angle that they're standing, but whoever's maybe spotting can see. All right. Right. What, what's the setup quickly? I mean, can you just toss on a, get a skated fly that's, that's made for that and just tie it on like normal to your normal summer steelhead setup and go for it? For the, yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. 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 I like, uh, you know, I like single handers a lot for, um, skating flies. I, I usually end up skating with the single handers. Um, I don't do a lot on the big rivers in the fall, right? So like the Deschutes and stuff, I don't mm-hmm. do a ton on there. So, you know, I can't really talk about like the optimal skater setup on the Deschutes just because I'm not experienced with it as much as, you know, some of the guides um, sure. that are really good at it over there. But on all of our smaller Western rivers that I'm really used to, even the Cowlitz, um, you can get them for sure skating on the Cowlitz in the summer or in the fall. Um, uh-huh. I, I just like a single hand rod. I think they're way more, um, they're easily managed you can mend easier and i think the lines float better um sorry dogs all groaning uh, um, what what's your i can't remember what's your dog's name that's, that's duchess she's it's a german shepherd and anybody that's had shepherds knows that they just make noise exactly <laughs> um but uh yeah i just like the single handers the lines seem to float better you have more control um they seem to turn over real easy. Um, uh-huh. And just the size of the river, you know, that I fish a lot, just the single handers seem to be better. Yeah. Yeah. What, what um, do you tie any of those flies, any of the skating flies ever? I do. Yeah. I, you know, the Klamath uh, skater I love. Um, uh-huh. Jackson actually ties some awesome skaters and I just kind of copy his, his stuff. But uh, I'm not, I'm not a great skater tire. I just lash on a bunch of hair, like the moose turd and stuff mm-hmm. like old ones are great. Bombers are bombers are classic they will always be be great uh waller wakers um you know i'll tie skaters a lot for a specific trip i've always got a few with me that uh, may or may not get used um but like when i went to the dean for the first time last year you know that's really where i i just made a commitment to fish skaters and i i went there for that purpose um so it depends on the trip i'm going on you know my brain will get kind of tuned into one thing that I want to do. And that's, that's what I'm on at that time. You know, like that's just how I always work is I'll just get an idea in my head and this is how I want to catch the fish. And that's all I do until I can like catch a fish like that. Yeah. What what was that like on the Dean skating? Oh, it was great. I mean, there's nowhere, nowhere in the world I've ever seen like it. It's unbelievable. Can you, Uh, what's the set? Can you walk us through the, take us there and the, the setup? I would say first off, it's way smaller than I would have ever guessed my first time there. I didn't realize it was um, a normal sized river. I guess. Um, How small in comparison to the say the Deschutes? Oh, way smaller than Deschutes. Probably half. Oh, no say. kidding. Yeah, and it's a it's a fast taper. You know, it's a it's a steep gradient. So oh, right. sixty. Yeah, like we went up to. Uh, um, one day we went clear up to Moose. It's called and. It, um, it's uh way smaller up up even like 10 miles than it is you know from the from the lodge we're at you go up 10 miles and it's way smaller than even the lodge and then it it flattens out quite a bit below that but it's it's a pretty aggressive um, gradient on that river yeah yeah more so than i ever would have thought i i've always seen pictures of it being huge you know and maybe that's just the lower river that's easier to get into i guess for no, you're right. I, I always assumed the same thing. I always thought it was like a Deschutes big open canyon, big, you know, big mountains. But yeah, that's cool to hear. It's it's different. No, we went with some some guys that have been going, you know, for probably 40 years. And uh, they're single-hander. I mean, it's a single-hand deal. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, they, they know exactly what they're doing and they knock it out of the park. But it's super manageable with a single-hand rod. And a lot of people do it up there. Which is cool for me to see the single hander, you know, nine foot, nine and a half foot, eight weight still be a player. Cause that's, you know, that's my heritage. Right. You know, and then I mean, that's, I grew up fishing. So I, I mean, I, I love the two handers. It, it's just really cool to see that the, that the single hand rod, the single hand seven and eight weights of this, of the steelhead world still have a purpose, you know, it's, and they, they really do. I mean, they, they really fit still to this day. They're very viable. Um, and certain in, in a lot of applications. Really. Yeah. Do you, what percentage of time are you fishing single versus spay? Oh, probably 30% single hand. 
yeah. when I'm swinging flies, yeah, thirty about thirty percent single hand. Um, in the winter, it's all spay, just because it makes the most sense. But in the summer, you know, when things get low, um, in a lot of times in in the rivers, like we can't even get a head out. The river's small enough for or whatever. Like it just a single hander just makes more sense for utilitarian fishing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the whole thing. It's, it's just a tools in the toolbox, right? Having the the right tool for the job. So on, you know, keeping on that Dean sink. So, so, so what is it? So you're just a normal dry line, nine foot eight weight and tying on, like you said, some, some sort of a waking fly and just swing it down like normal downstream and across. Yeah. Yeah. Bombers, bombers and waller wakers. Um, uh, McVeigh uglies, which is a fly. I, I, was told about, you know, by a buddy who took me up there and then I saw firsthand while I was up there. I think that's kind of a, I don't know the history of it at all, but I think that's kind of a Dean, a Dean river fly. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I fished mostly, um, I fished mostly those Klamath skaters just cause that's what I tied and brought up and they work really well. Yeah. The, you know, the, we got one guy up there that only fished a size 10 orange bomber and cleaned everybody's clock. Um, are or maybe guys, it's a size size ten, but yeah, that's all. Are you guys fishing? So are you kind of fishing wet flies, and then if you get a hot fish, changing up, or are you just sticking like a day, just going all wakers? No, I started sink tip fishing. I I figured I would attack it like a winter stream, you know. But like the first day, I was a little blown out and stuff, and and I learned real quick. That, I mean, I I got my butt handed to me by people that you know. I was fishing like leechy. Mm-hmm. I was fishing, and I was fishing so good too. I was like in into it, and. Mm-hmm. uh you know, sink tips, leeches, like all this stuff that should be working. And, uh, you know, the visibility day one was maybe like two feet and, uh, the people fishing dry lines behind me were catching fish and I wasn't. And so after that, I just went full floating line the rest of the time. And, uh, it was either a green bus skunk or, or a skater. Yep. How, how did yeah, you, that was it. how did you choose between either of those two? Depend on who I was following. You know, if I, if I was, if I was number one through, if I was down river, you know, fishing first, I would fish a skater and let whoever was above me fish the wet fly. Um, that's usually how it went. Um, gotcha. we wouldn't we run two skaters through. You could, I mean, those fish are aggressive enough. It wouldn't be a problem, but, um, it was just kind of a, you know, whoever's up front, maybe take the the path of most resistance and it was who's ever's behind, you know, gets to fish the wet fly. That's right. And, and what about the, uh, the riffle hitch? Is that something that is, you could, is that where you, you, you kind of toss on a wet fly and you with the riffle hitch and it makes it into a kind of a, a, a waker? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never hardly use them. I know, I know I got buddies that swear by them. Um, I've never, I've never done it. You know, I usually I'll just do a down eye hook and a, and a, and a clinch knot. Um, and it's always worked fine for me. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I mean, I, we end up we end up like getting all these, we end up getting all these like extra things like we do when fishing slow, right? And you think more about what you're doing when fishing slow. Um, and skating flies will always be the the hardest way to catch a steelhead. So you've got a lot of time to think about yeah. in between. It's like what you could do better. You know, nobody ever goes home at the end of the day when they've caught a ton of fish and like, and think about like, okay, why was it so good and all this, but everybody, when they get their butts kicked, they go home and, and they're like, what could we done different? Like, why was it, was it me? Was it, you know, so, so when you have that much time in between fish, like it's easy to maybe overthink things and overanalyze. And, um, to this day, I will just always say like with steelhead fishing, you're better lucky than good. And, um, you know, like the riffle hitches and all that. I mean, if you believe in it for sure, like I'm sure somebody out there is like, Jason, you are absolutely wrong. It matters. I'm sure it does. I just, I'm not experienced enough with it to know the difference. I haven't caught a million fish on yeah. skaters. I've caught a, I've caught a few fish on skaters, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, whatever, don't listen to me. I just that's know right. that like, I, <laughs> I just really want to keep it simple. That's, you know, cool. that's my whole goal is, is to not do more than I need to, uh, as far as techery and, uh, Exactly. And keep, just swing keep it flies. Simple. Keep it simple. I mean, they're, yeah, just swing flies. I said, I've seen a lot of fish, a lot of steelhead over my life, like tons of fish do what they weren't supposed to do. Meaning like nothing's off the table, you know, like, and so that's what I, for everything that like the book says, this is exactly how you fish and, and you'll find a steelhead 
you know, that will go against all that. And so, um, that's why I think like a lot of these little things don't really matter as much because, you know, you'll find plenty of steelhead that don't care about what the book says. Exactly. Yeah. I, and on more on the trout, uh, and I, I think I at mentioned you on Instagram yesterday about, I had a question somebody was asking me about, uh, a good skating fly for uh, for trout, and he was talking about the salmon fly hatch. We're getting pretty close to the salmon fly hatch. Any, uh, it, I, and it sounds like you're not too uh, maybe something you've done a lot of either on that. But what would you what would you tell him if he came in the shop and said, "I want a skater for the salmon fly hatch"? Oh boy, I would say stick to low light hours. And honestly, a Chevy Chernobyl is probably going to be one of the best skaters. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know if you necessarily need to reinvent the wheel and, and tie a specific skater. You can for sure. If I mean, just have fun, but the Chevys are pretty tough to beat um, as far as a skater goes. And I would mm-hmm. say just stick to low light hours when they're at the highest um, metabolism and they're feeding the most is going to be your best shot. Cause midday, midday when the sun's out and everything's going off um, it's really hard later in the hatch especially to get these fish to do stuff that's not um when you're not fishing exactly natural right so they see a ton of bad presentations they see a ton of traffic they see a lot of them been hooked you know a lot of them have had a hook in them and so if it's not perfect a lot of times they don't eat it um or if it looks too much like a fly or whatever like you know if it's too bushy or you know a lot of times chubby's they stop losing their effectiveness later. So that, but in the low light hours, that's when you can get away with a lot more. Um, their metabolism's like, you know, peaked. Um, they're eating. They're looking for bugs. It's go time for them. And so I would say in low light hours, that would be the time to really attack with the skater. I, I imagine it's for micro spay. You know, a lot of the mm. trout space. Yeah. Uh, you know, people people want to use it, and so. Um, that's what I would say is just stick to low light. Use a traditional chubby that has a white wing so you can see it. Yep. Uh, and, and you know, a lot like fall caddis, you know, pitch it into the banks and then maybe pop it out. Oh, right. Like or pop, or pop vice it versa. Out, like stri- strip it out? Yeah, or just pop the rod tip a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, jerk, yeah. You know, most, you know, bugs don't necessarily skate, right? That's not natural. No. But they do, but they for sure move. And 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 salmon flies and golden stones, um, when they're on the water, they move a ton. And so, yeah. you know, some drag's okay. It's just, you know, you want to make it look like it's trying to get away. Like maybe it fell in and it's trying to either get back to the bank or go towards a limb or something. Uh, and that can that can be really good. You can you can twitch them and make a move like that for sure. Yeah. I just think like a steady drag. You know, like we would be swinging for steelhead, um, a steady drag isn't the most natural buggy presentation. But I would oh. definitely try and put some action, like pop the rod tip and and really get it like looking like a bug who's trying to get somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, I can see tossing under a nice thick uh, tree cover, right? Where those fish all oh, then pop it under there. That probably that might work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That's I would cool. say that's that's a good plan. And you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you know, it's worth a. I'm sure you can get a few and, and the few that would come up, I'm sure the, like I do, I do it a lot with fall caddis and I mean, they'll rip the rod out of your hand. The, the aggress, the, 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 the takes are, oh yeah. Yeah. And the takes are insanely violent when you're, when yes. you're, we call it chugging, but chugging fall caddis, you know, off of the banks and just in popping your rod and stripping them. The takes are violent. I mean, they'll break three X before you can really? even, Set the hook. So you're yeah, just casting, are you casting upstream, and or are you casting downstream? Like cross stream. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. You could do upstream. Usually, it's like I'm I'm fishing like at a you know straight line from me to the bank. Oh right, to the bank. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. This is and then trout spay. Or do you guys sell some trout spay? Or are you are you into that there? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, we we sell quite a bit of it. Um, it, it's it's really cool actually. It's 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 a lot of fun. Um. Probably not the most effective tool in the in the shed for for numbers of fish, right? But it's definitely one of the more fun ways to go after trout. Um, late summer when the caddis are out, like in full force, or I should say midsummer, um, swinging soft tackles on a, on a micro spay on our little trout spay is a ton of fun, um, and that's really effective. Um, yep. But yeah, it's it's a killer way to fish. It's a ton of fun. That's cool. Yeah, I had uh, Stephen Bird on uh, recently. Oh yeah, he, 
he was he broke down the upper columbia i haven't been up there yet but it sounds you know i mean that's trout spay but it's kind of more like a steelhead trout spay you know it's it's a little mix Uh, yeah that place is weird it's amazing it's it's unbelievable and it'll haunt you like you take one trip up there and it will be all consuming and it's all you want to think about yeah it's like nowhere else yeah that's what it uh, seems like trout spays are awesome up there yeah that's it Cool. All right, uh, Jason, let's uh, let's wrap this up here with the, the 222 uh, top two flies, tips, and resources. And you, I think you've already mentioned your top two flies, but if you had to pick two steelhead flies for, for the end of time, what, what are those two? Oh, boy. Um, for no other reason other than I love them, um, Jerry French's camo squid would oh, be my, cool. like, my number one winter fly just because I – for whatever reason, that fly I just love. Um, it's fun to tie, and it, it just when you get a good one, they look so awesome. And uh, you know, for summer, I would just say a green butt skunk. That that fly has just saved my bacon mm-hmm. more often than I can. It would be it would be like a cool one, you know, somewhat like polar bear and jungle cock. But yeah. uh, it would have to be a green butt skunk, you, yeah, for summer. You ever use uh, just a skunk? Oh well, yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Not as much, but yeah. Yeah, I love that. I had uh, when Frank Moore was on, he was talking about. I asked him about his favorite pattern. He said, he said the skunk, and I said the green butt skunk. <laughs> and he almost got kind of mad, right? He was like, "No, not the, not the green butt." I love the the skunk. And, uh, and I actually returned uh, that night. I caught a, a steelhead on the north on on a on a skunk. So it was a pretty amazing evening. That is cool. But um, but cool. All right. And then what about tips? If you think if we stick on maybe the summer steelhead, say we're on the Klamma. And you're fishing mm-hmm. up there, and, and, and you, you know, any tips, any steelhead tips you'd give somebody that maybe hasn't caught one yet up there? Yeah. So if you're new and you're you're getting after it, um, if you want to catch a steelhead, I would say this applies for anywhere. But like if you know, if you're trying to get your first, which is the hardest by by a long shot, the first steelhead is is the hardest. I would just attack the river th- with the mindset of making your fly as easy as possible for the fish to eat. Meaning don't make them move too far. Um, if it's in their zone, they're more likely to eat it. Um, so just think about that. A lot of times I think with steelhead fishing, we're dealing with more of a hydraulics issue rather than a fish issue. Um, yeah. Because they, they live in areas where the, they're protected from the current, right? So that means water's moving away from them, which means right. your fly is always moving away from them. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. just the way water works. And so... If you can figure out a way or position yourself, but always just try to make it as easy as you can for the fish to eat the fly and you will find more fish. Perfect. And so if you're, so if I'm up there and, and I'm thinking about that, I've got this line, I see what I think is a place the fish is probably holding. Um, and I'm fishing that and I'm swinging it down, you know, and say I did have, say I was going to try to, to get them on the surface, any tip you would provide for, for that? I know you, you don't have a ton of experience there, but what would you tell them if they were, they really wanted to get one on the surface, what, what would you tell that person? Well, depending on time of year, if it's summer, I mean, you, I would try to spot them. Oh yeah. I mean, get, get up high and, and spot them. And that way, you know, I mean, it's, it's actually real easy to find steelhead in these rivers once you get the eyes for it. Um, and once you, once you start seeing them, you'll see a ton of them. Um, almost everywhere. So, uh, in the summer spotting them is, is a huge part of it. You can see right where they're at. Um, but, uh, you know, or have somebody, you know, a lot of people fish with, with, you know, buddies or whatever, and just have a spotter, you know, and they'll be able to see, uh, fish come up and roll or, or something like that. I mean, the thing with skaters, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. Yeah. Um, no and, and it's, it, it's just going to be, a, yeah, it's just going to be a commitment. So, um, it can't just be like, you know, maybe I'll skate, maybe I won't. Like, it just won't ever work that way. Like, you just have to commit. And once you commit, then you'll get the rewards from that. But it's, you know, when you, you know, you got to just do it. And you got to you gotta put on the skater, even, even though, like, you know it's probably not the most effective. You got to train your brain into saying, yeah, but, like, this is how I want to do it, and this is how I'm going to do it. That's it. I, uh, you, you spot him. I always think of Jim Teeny, like, you know, you said, you remember that I spot him, I got him. Yeah. I haven't found that to be exactly as <laughs> true because there's been a lot of times I spotted him and didn't got at him. But, no. <laughs> I, spot him's huge. You know I mean? It's, it is cool to, to know you're fishing over fish. Yeah. Yeah. I love Where that. you can. What's that? 
So when you can, you know, I mean, obviously if you spot them in February, don't fish them, but cause yeah. they're, they're probably on reds, but in the summertime, you know, come August, like you can see them all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any quick tip on uh, how, how to spot them? If you're just looking, you know, what, what would you tell somebody if they struggling to find those fish? Yeah. Just stare at one spot and then look in your, so if you just stare at one spot and then you kind of use your peripheral, they'll show up. You'll see them moving a lot of times. Yeah. Um, they look gray. Like the biggest thing is they don't look, you know, you take them out of the water, like silver or, you know, late seas look like rainbows, but they, they're almost gray. Like they look mm-hmm. very gray in the river. So you're not looking, you know, if, you see, if you see a dark spot, you know, that's usually a Chinook or something. It's uh, they look gray. And so that's what you want to look okay. for is like this, this transparent gray. And okay. uh, if you just stare at one spot, and just slowly kind of work your eyes back. You'll see them. It, it takes a little bit, but um, you'll see the movements. You'll see that, like a tail. The tail's the easiest yeah. thing for me to spend first. That's it. That's it. And, and then what about before we get out of here, a couple of resources, anything, uh, books, magazine, online, anything for, for steelhead, uh, if we stick on that summer steelhead, uh, that could help somebody, you know, get in some more fish? Um, Boy. I would say I don't, man. I don't do a lot of stuff online. I, you know, I would say some of the gear sites actually have a ton of information, oh, yeah. like uh, That's a good Steelhead point. University and yeah. and some of the. You know, we we're probably using. I mean, we're using like different rods or whatever, but sure. but nothing nothing is different between Steelhead, right? Like no matter what. So if you can, no matter if it's a conventional tackle website or whatever, but Steelhead U. That's cool. Um, they have a lot of run timing, a lot of, you know, timing's everything. Timing is more important than anything. No matter what rod you have, no matter what fly you're fishing, if the fish aren't there, you can't catch them. No. And so knowing when to go is the most important thing of steelheading beyond any rod you're carrying, right? Like knowing when to go is everything. So, um, so at that point, like a lot of these conventional tackle websites are phenomenal for that. You know, they'll spill the beans. Um, yeah. fly, fly websites are a little bit more like, you know, keep it, keep it under the cuff, but the gear dudes, man, they'll just, they'll spill the beans. And so take advantage of it. There you go. Um, you know, as far as like an actual fly fishing website, um, you know, I mean, honestly, like Caddisfly has a great blog. Most people know about Caddisfly's blog. Oh, yeah. Um, they do a hell of a job um, yep. on that. Um, you know, Westfly, I don't know how active they are. I used to look at Westfly quite a bit and then Washington fly fishing. I haven't been on forever, yeah. but they used to be a pretty decent resource. Um, I don't actually do, I don't do much web surfing anymore. No, I, you don't. Yeah. You don't have to, no. you, you got your own, I mean, <laughs> your own experiences, yeah, we, right? We kinda, yeah. And we kind of live it every day, you know, yeah. and, and we learn a lot from our customers just as they learn a lot from us. So it's, totally. it's a good trip. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I usually kind of shut off when I'm done, um, yeah. you know, either throwing the ball for the dog or just doing something. So, yeah, I don't do a lot of web web scouring anymore. Yep, I hear you. No, I think it's – and those are great uh, resources you gave. I mean, those are things we haven't talked about. Steelhead University for sure is uh, is a good one. So, okay, well, Jason, I'll let you get out of here. Before I do, anything new coming up? I mean, I guess you just opened the shop, right? We've still got this COVID thing going on. Um so it's open, open for business, right? Yep. How, are, how are you guys dealing with the COVID? How, how's all that treating you? Oh, COVID sucks. This yeah. thing sucks. Um, and it sucks for everybody, you know, not just us, but, you know, across the board, man. I feel horrible for, for downtown Portland and, yeah. and everybody. But, uh, you know, we're, we're limited in how many people can come into the shop. We're, we're going through sanitary wipes like yeah. I wouldn't have it. How many limit? What, what's the limit? Three limit. We've got enough square feet that we can do three. And okay. then we're doing uh, – um, you know, everybody's got to maintain the six foot rule and, yep. and we, we have to enforce that just to make sure we don't get in trouble too. But, uh, yeah. and then in the mornings we're open from nine to 10 for one customer at a time, seniors only, right? That's oh, yeah. kind of senior yep. one, one person at a time. And then we normally close at seven, we're closing at five now. And then from five to seven, we're going to take, we're taking appointments for anything that's, um, sure. that takes a while, right? Like, so somebody needs like five reels loaded. Yeah. Um, it's, it's easier just to do a one-on-one employment and get that done than try to manage like the three people at a time and have people wait and all that. So if it needs, if it's any like, you know, in-depth tying, um, questions that are going to take like, you know, a half hour, 40 minutes or a bunch of reels, then we'll just take an appointment later in the day. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's, it's, yeah, obviously this is a terrible thing. So we're all, 
all in it together. Um, but yeah, hopefully in maybe six months or so, we're, we're kind of maybe getting back to things as usual. I, I mean, I think that's the, the hope, right? It, hopefully it doesn't even take that long, but it seems like it's kind of a crazy place we're at. Yeah, who knows? You know, I mean, who knows? It may, yeah, it may never be. I don't know. I mean, well, you know, we're taking it one day at a time. We're yeah. taking it, you know, as, as in stride, just like, you know, everybody else. And we, we will adjust as, as we need to. Um, but, uh, you know, things for us, you know, things could be a lot worse. And that's, we got, we got really fortunate. I'll tell you, like, we got super lucky with, which is kind of how we ran the business. And then our, our vendors are amazing. Um, you know, the people we work with. So it could have been a lot worse for, for us. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll be fine. Most, most fly shops, I think will be okay just because we've got an awesome community mm-hmm. that surrounds fly shops. You know, we may not have picked the most lucrative career, um, in the good times, but it's, I think it's a stable, a more stable career. It seems to be, you know, people love to fish yeah. and, uh, so no, we, we actually got really lucky. I'm, I'm super fortunate. Um, it could have been a lot worse for That's us cool. for sure. That's cool. And you guys have, do you have an online store as well? Oh yeah. 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 Link to our website. Yep. Yeah. We've been doing a ton of shipping. Oh yeah. 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 I, I uh, Travis, um, at the gorge, we were talking a while back and he, he, he mentioned that, yeah, I mean, they got guys that are in hood river that are, you know, just go online and buy stuff, right. They, they ship sure. within hood river. I mean, so you would, I'd imagine you get the same thing there in Portland. Oh yeah. Yeah. We ship a ton to Portland and Vancouver and, yeah. you know, I mean everywhere, but, uh, yeah, a lot of Portland. Um, yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, everybody kind of dropped their free shipping rate, so it makes it easier for people. Oh, but, there you go. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it, where there's a will, there's a way, you yeah, know, always. It'll happen. I believe you. I think that the community obviously is why, that's why I'm in it. That's why I'm all in on this is that I think, yeah, I think it is one of the, the greatest communities, everybody, you know, involved is awesome so uh so yeah uh, uh jason uh, the the portlandflyshop.com i'll put a link and some stuff in the show notes and then um yeah we'll go from there just want to say uh, thanks again for coming on in, in the chat today definitely like i said it's it's good to see you uh you know running the shop and uh you know seeing your face out there is awesome and i'm looking forward to keeping in touch with you yes well good to be seen thanks a ton all right man i'll talk to you soon yeah i appreciate it very much thank you so there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 142. Can you share this podcast episode with one other person today? That would be amazing. Um, who do you know that loves fly fishing and hasn't heard of the show yet? That one person. That'd be amazing if you could reach out to them and give them a heads up. I want to thank you uh, for your support and thank you in advance if you have a chance to do that. Uh, reach out to me, Dave, at wetflyswing.com if you have a question a topic or a guest you want to hear on the podcast that would be great to hear from you just wanted to thank you again for stopping by today looking forward to catching up soon hope to maybe see you online or on the river thanks for listening to the wet fly swing fly fishing show for notes and links from this episode visit wetflyswing.com and if you found this episode helpful please subscribe and leave a review on itunes